So Greetings we start there, off travelers. with a it's number me, of Elthazar. And I'm here to bring you a splendid tale. You see, Wingover and Michael are a little bit busy at the moment, and I just wanted to tell you what became of that pesky little island full of elves. Now, I'm sure you've heard a few of the conversations I had with Father Matthews about me borrowing the Shining Bird to go have a discussion with the people of Evermeet. Well, let's go take a look at how that all went down. I'm enjoying a lovely space ride at the moment. Just sitting here on this beautiful ship, a small little robot is driving me to the Nostradamus Corporation. And speaking of the Nostradamus Corporation, this story centers heavily on them. You see these lovely individuals. They all were sent down to look into the Shining Bird after they were tipped off. The individuals who were on this, this tale, have their own bardic groups that I would be thrilled if you went to go listen to their tales. We'll be sure to include promos for each of these individuals and their tales, their different bardic groups, so be sure to stick around at the end. But I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have a few things to just quickly do before I send you on your way into this beautiful, shining tale. First off, I unfortunately took care of an intern from BattleBards. You see, I thought that they were just a regular intern and I was supposed to slay them. And so, now unfortunately I have their role. Let's see here. They were going to tell you about wonderful sounds from BattleBards.com. They were going to tell you about how they were oh so proud of the carriage sounds of the horses they took care of and the, the sounds of horses running free in the wilds and how and they couldn't wait to get back to riding these horses and unfortunately their flesh is covering most of the inside of this vehicle. Well, I apologize BattleBards, but if you feel like getting some of that fine sound effects and music Head on over to BattleBards.com. Alright, travelers, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Let us dive into this tale with The Hunt for the Shining Bird, Part 1. Crew members from the Nostradamus Corporation, you have been assigned a very special task. This isn't something that happens very often. The child of an outer god has been found, and not only that, it is still very, very young, which means that you are able to actually capture this if we can pull this off. The child itself has been registered as an avian species, so you know that it is capable of flight, it probably has talons. You don't know how many talons, how many beaks, or how many wings, but you know it's generally in that vicinity. They know that a number of the locals of this planet that you're going to be traveling to have begun worshipping this creature, as what often happens. The way that the corporation has told you that they're going to be capturing this creature is they have created a device. This device, it... It looks basically like a pizza, like it's that kind of shape. And it can condense into a smaller form, you can make it larger. But basically, uh, what they have is they'll have you set this up on the ground, and then they have three different little tripods that they have you set up in a radius around it. And the idea is, you'll set this up, it'll attract the creature, the creature will go into this radius, and then you can try to use the device. You'll each have, like, your comm systems will be linked up to it. So you could try to use this device to drag the creature in. Now, they don't know what this world is going to be like. They're getting really weird readings on the energies that are coming from here. There's a lot of energies that are from the strange. And listeners, the strange is the same thing as the Far Realms as far as this is concerned. 
So you all have been pretty much piled on a nice ship where you each have a little tiny closet room where basically they were able to shove a bed in there and maybe a little desk. And that's about it. But why don't we go around the table, introduce ourselves, where we're from, uh, any shows, and what character you'll be playing. We will start off with Brianna. Hi, I'm Brianna. Today I'm going to be playing Eternity Nova Omen. She mostly goes by Nova because she got tired of explaining that yes, Eternity is a name. So she is a clever paradox who spots. So sometimes when she's working on stuff, you'll see two of her in the room and it freaks people out sometimes. But I also have a podcast called Tales of Adventure where I interview people's role-playing game characters in character. And I have another called Aboard the Opal Star, which is Esper Genesis 5e, basically a bunch of spy, um, space pirate shenanigans I'm doing with my friends. There is another, but it doesn't exist yet, and everything I do is under pseudonym social. What will maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, one day be a full-on production network. So, yeah, I'm Josh. Uh, I will be playing Mel. She keeps her last name a secret for reasons. She is a stealthy paradox who solves mysteries. She's trained as a botanist. She was basically a child prodigy when it came to math and science. Really liked plants, and her grandfather helped her kind of cultivate that passion, pun intended. (laughs) And uh, I am also the DM for the podcast Are We Dead Yet? And... I also have a history podcast called While Rome Burns. I really I really like this imagery that I've accidentally created of just <laughs> chaos and all that stuff. But yeah, <laughs> that's that's me. Oh hi. Uh, I am Syrup from Waffles Maple <laughs> Syrup. Waffles and I, who'll be here in a second, uh, are a duo. Um, we play Pathfinder 2E and all sorts of additional content creating fun. We are both a stream and a podcast, and we love doing everything and anything we can with this awesome community, Um, hence why we're here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be playing Allison Reed. You can call me Allie, and I am a skeptical spinner who looks for trouble. I'm Waffles from Waffles Maple Syrup. Uh, I'm the GM for our two separate campaigns. We play Extinction Curse. That's the Pathfinder 2E Adventure Path, and Time Has Passed. That's a time travel homebrew for Pathfinder 2E that I've written. Waffles, maple syrup, one word. You can catch us on Twitch, Twitter, and anywhere you listen to podcasts there. I'm playing Kai Ryder. He is a strong vector who adapts to environments. He's a super muscular guy, pretty tall. He's got a bunch of cartoon tattoos all over him, and he's always talking about his son. And last but not least, Kelly. Hi. I play Iris. Unfortunately, I am not a part of any podcast. I would love to be someday. Iris is a clever paradox who has some psychically inclined abilities. She used to be a website developer for the military, but after... A major programming snafu. She found out something nasty about her superior. Got pretty much like an iframe dropped on top of her, and that's how she got her abilities. And just <laughs> completely decided to act totally mad because she knew she couldn't work that there anymore. Go ahead. I dare you to ask me why later. You all are just on this ship riding. You have a a robot pilot, so you don't have to really worry about anything. He kind of looks like a a pill standing up, and he's got little (laughs) arms and legs that are out, and he just pretty much lives in the cockpit. While you're all on the ship, let's just go around and just kind of see what your characters are like and what they're up to. So we will start off with Mel. So Mel, what are you up to? I think that Mel, is there like a like a mess hall, a cafeteria of some sort in this ship, or is it just these small rooms? 
probably have these small rooms. There's probably like a little bit of a main room where you all can meet up, and then it just leads over to like there's a bit with the engine, and there's a bit with the cockpit. I am probably just uh, sitting in that that main room, poring over my botany books. Yeah, just really engrossed. Awesome. And Nova. I think Nova's probably sitting across from Mel, research, like reading into a historical account of something to do with the strange, because that's what she does with most of her time. She might be taking a second to respond to a message from her mom, because she doesn't get to see her as much since she went back to their home planet. And she's just lounged back in an outfit that is a combination of Earth fashions and stuff that's from her parents' homeworld, so it looks a little different. But she's just kicked back reading. And what is Kai up to? Kai has been sticking to his room most of the time. He's come out every once in a while. When he's out of his room, he is uh, pretty talkative to everyone. Uh, Everyone that he's been around, they would know that he doesn't know much about the strange at all. He just has heard a bunch of wives' tales about it. It'd be like encountering, like, a giant for the first time or something. Mm. He's uh, actually very excited for it, and he seems to think this is kind of like going to an amusement park rather than going on some mission to the strange. (laughs) And what about Allie? Allie's probably also going to be in that little, like, common area She's, though, probably going to be, like, back to a corner, sipping on, like, a green smoothie of some kind and just watching Mel, like, pouring over her books and watching anybody that might come in and out of this room. She's, like, leaning back, like, in a way that can't be comfortable in that chair, but, you know, she is hooked one arm behind and crossed her legs and just chilling. She, the way she looks, she's actually older. She's, like, around 30 and she has jet black hair that is shaved on one side. And she's definitely a character. You could just tell she probably dresses in most mostly black. Just watching, uh, entertaining herself. She seems like to have permanent amusement on her face. But she's, in terms of, you know, her experience with this, not much. Not that she will ever let anybody know that, of course. But she probably her first actual excursion into something like this she's worked for the corporation in the past but more like desk paper stuff than actual action but she's pretending she knows everything about everything right now (laughs) so we got a we got a lot of new people on this ship what about iris iris is probably in her little room she probably got some kind of audiobook, mystery, or podcast or something going on. And she's probably sprawled out on her bed working on a website or something. There's, like, snacks all over the place. A little table with, I don't know, like, a big bottle of pop or something. <laughs> Does Iris, Mel, and Nova have any experience dealing with uh, creatures or beings from the strange? Iris, probably not. I'm pretty sure Nova does. Mel does. So part of Mel's backstory was she found out how to open uh, recursions by accident when she accidentally opened one and sent some thugs uh, that were attacking her grandpa somewhere and disappeared them. And that's when they had to go on the run. And so that's when she discovered her powers and she's been using... Uh, that power to travel here and there, but she's only probably gone to probably like three or four places. So all of you, you're probably given these pamphlets from the company, and there are those really kind of like that fallout, that fall guy, smiley, like, so you're dealing with the strange, and a lot of it was very much like be careful for, like, things with too many teeth, and, like, or careful if an inanimate object starts moving, like, having arms grafted onto it, just like all these really horrific, weird things, it just like things that just keep happening are on the strange, or it shows people mutating, but they're still really smiley caricatures in the little pamphlet. <laughs> and so you have a lot of like this, uh, this really happy-go-lucky uh, stuff that's being handed to you from the corporation as you're going along. But whenever you talk to someone from 
from whoever was like briefing you on this, they were very serious about how dangerous this was, even though everything around the company itself was very, it like wasn't taking this seriously at all. I imagine Nova, since she spent a lot of time just sort of like studying different historical occurrences and stuff, for the anyone who's not as familiar is gonna just be like sharing some of the stories, talking about how um, she's gone, like she's been back and forth to visit her parents. I'm pretty sure at some point she's brought uh, Mel some plants from her home role and is like, here, promise this won't eat you. <laughs> just some fun stuff to study. <laughs> Iris probably gets this because she's like, gotta make it look nice for everybody. Can't have brochures with a bunch of scary crap on it, scare people away. Gotta at least make this look if not appealing then not like this is a total spooky cult place either. You know what I mean? Mm. The company doesn't want everyone to think that we're being sent to a death death trap. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that, yeah. A lot of people are, but they don't want you to think it, at least. Because right. there's too many people that'll sue them. <laughs> yeah. Could there be, like, a cat laying on my bed, too? Sure, why not? Yeah. I can't guarantee you this cat's safety, but <laughs> you, you can have a cat. <laughs> While you're on this ship, and you're relaxing, and just kind of, like, a, a couple of you are chatting, and you're doing your own, like, independent research, suddenly all these sensors on this ship start going off. You see a lot of these like red lights are flashing. You see a lot of uh, readings are going off. Those of you who connect to the strange, suddenly you're hit with this feeling of intense vertigo. You're having a hard time keeping yourself up as you kind of lean heavily down to the table. A screen pops up that shows the outside. It appears in each of the rooms and appears in the main room, just in case anybody's not there. And you can hear the little robot, the little pillbot that's working. His name is ST3V3. So, Aww. Steve, <laughs> we are almost at our destination. And you look, and you see this bright blue, beautiful orb drifting through space. There's a few moons that are gracefully spinning around it. But what takes your gaze away from this otherwise beautiful sight is something of horror that clings to this spinning orb that's housing so much life. An impossibly large tentacled monstrosity lingers outside the planet. Large tendrils reach out, glimmering an array of brilliant, beautiful colors. It is shining, lighting up this entire place. The moons are reflecting this light. You see that these tentacles are trying to penetrate down into the planet. But it seems almost like there's a, a lattice work around the planet that this thing's trying to get through, but it's not having any luck. You see a number of the other tentacles are actually reaching out, almost like towards distant stars, as if the being is trying to just leave and move on, but it seems almost like it's stuck, it's latched onto this planet and it can't seem to move the planet. And you see all these readings are going off, all of the people who are connected to the strange are feeling absolutely horrible. And Steve pipes in again. He goes, it looks like we're dealing with a being from the strange. Landing is going to be rough. No, really. This thing looks like it's the way it's reaching out to like other stars. Is it trying to, does it look like it's stuck and doesn't want to be? Or does it look like it's trying to carry or bring this planet with it? It definitely looks like it's stuck. Like it's trying to get away from this planet. Some of the tentacles look like they're trying to get in. But then the rest of them are, look like they're trying to pull away to different stars. Okay. I immediately stand up and I like walk over to Mel and I put a hand on her shoulder and I'm like, better uh, put this stuff away and get ready. Let's go. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just start stuffing stuff into my backpack. And you got space backpacks. Like you just like, you know, fit the canoe in there kind of thing. <laughs> like, it's good. <laughs> Kai rushes out to the main room and you see him like with a a large bag over his shoulder and he rushes out to the main room and in his hand is something and like while he's rushing out he's not really paying attention to where he's going kind of bumps into them as they're starting to put the stuff away and he's attempting to fix his GoPro to his helmet <laughs> Nova's pausing in the middle of texting her mom like oh it'll be fine it's like oh it's just gonna be a little fun mission I'll tell you about when we get back to just like put it in her bag like oh just Oh, I don't like this. 
I uh, step like out of the way so that he doesn't barrel through me as he's not paying attention. <laughs> and then I'm, I notice the girl prone. I was like, oh, right. And then I go back to like the chair that I was sitting in and I like pull this thing that was strapped to the back of it and I swing it over uh, my shoulder and I have like a, a large katana just strapped to my back. I was like, so do you need help with that? It, the light's not on. The, the grope, GoPro. Uh, yeah, yeah. We can help. He kind of like leans down because he's like six three, and so she, she probably can reach him. <laughs> presses the button. And then he also he sees her katana, and he's like, "Damn it!" And he like runs back to his room, and he comes out. He comes out with uh, a very large greatsword on his back. Nova's just got a like a light laser blaster on her hip. Hmm. Ah, those are kind of cute. Also, they look like they would hurt. You also see now on on the sides of the ship where it has little screens with the readings, they have gone from just like bouncing up and down to they are all just maxed in red. Please ensure that your communication devices are equipped to you at all times. We don't want your minds to scramble. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) That was disturbingly cheerful. Its head spins and it has a little like classic smiley face, like two lines and then oh a smile. God. <laughs> Does we, our briefing on this stuff like? Do we know if we have to be like strapped in for landing and make sure all our gear is on? Does is there a specific place we have to go, like a pod launcher or anything like that? Are we jumping out of the ship? Yes. <laughs> You would know, like, there's there's two options that you could do. So you can have the ship itself land, and that wouldn't... It shouldn't be a problem, unless the place is really obscured, with a lot of stuff making it hard for landing. There is also, like, a smaller little attachment ship that you all could really cram in there and uh, just take that down to the surface, and that would be fine, too. But you to use the smaller ship, you would at least have to break the atmosphere. Are there any rules on what to do if the planet is being attacked by a giant, colorful tentacle monster? Uh, I think that's what we're here for. I think the protocol is us. Would you like me to look in the rule book? I thought we were here for a bird of some sort. Yeah, that thing doesn't have any, like, beaks. Oh, yeah. This is not a bird. I really hope we're not supposed to capture that, otherwise... That ain't happening. That's that's not happening. It looks a little too big. I flipped through the book, and I'm like... (laughs) Or, like, the pamphlets that we got, and I was like, Did it say anything about the specific size of it? Yes, you would have definitely had a little bit of a briefing on the size of the bird. So the bird itself is roughly 40 to 50 feet tall. So they know that it's quite large, but it wasn't larger than a planet like this thing. So this this definitely isn't the bird. I don't trust the ship, uh, no offense, Steve, but I don't trust it staying in orbit away from this thing. Do you want to bring it into the atmosphere, bring it in and take the pod or just land it away from that or do we turn around does anyone know how to fly i mean we can't turn around i gotta get video but i think we gotta enter the atmosphere either way right so don't worry i'll be able to pilot your remote uh, pod and i'm programmed to never be offended (laughs) (laughs) and and can you keep this ship and the pod away from that side of the planet I definitely want to, because I don't want to die. <laughs> Neither do we, Steve. Neither do we. My existence is only as long as my hardware is serviceable. And his head spins. <laughs> I don't want you to die either, Steve. We'll make it. I would much rather not die today. And there's some comments under her breath that a language no, one's under- no one understands. Um, I, I vote taking the ship down altogether personally. It's a little more sturdier than the pod. I, for one, trust Mel. Let's do it. And perhaps we could take the pod to get around on the planet's surface. I've never experienced grass. This sounds fun. You've never experienced (laughs) grass? And Mel starts, like, going into the history of grass. (laughs) (laughs) I slowly back away from this conversation and finish getting all my gear. (laughs) The next time you see all the grass experts of the podcast are just weighing in, going like, what are they talking about? 
Nova's just kind of like flipping through to see if there's any, been any reports or anything that she can find of something like this. Like, what's the likelihood this thing is going to try and eat us? I guess you could roll for like a knowledge for the strange. I'd say it would be. Uh, so this is our first time rolling in this system. Yay! Yeah. I'd say it would be a difficulty of five. So that would be technically a DC 15. So let's jump into how this game works. <laughs> Are you trained with the strange, your character? Yeah, I'm a paradox and I also have a she's, uh, she studied history. So since you have uh, like a training with the strange, and this is like a strange thing, the difficulty would go down by one for you automatically due to your training. So now it's difficulty of four, which means you need a 12 on the dice. If you wanted to, this would be an intellect roll. So if you wanted to burn some intellect for using effort, you can actually reduce it by another if you'd like to. No, I think I'll just keep it and keep as is. Save my intellect for later. I got a two. So you're you're looking at this creature. It's it's mesmerizing. It's amazing. You still feel kind of sick just looking at it. Every so often, eyes form and mouths form in this giant monstrosity. The eyes are like the size of a moon, and then it just forms back into the body. Like, it's just, this body is constantly this morphing shape, and the tentacles are reaching out towards these other stars, and it's just, your brain is spinning. You are just, you're overloaded at the moment. Outside of, after I go and grab my gear, and when I come back, you guys see, like, strapped to her thigh is, like, a hunting knife. She has stuff in, like, a utility belt. She has her leather jacket on, all sorts of cool stuff. She looks really badass. But she looks out the window. Outside of the actual monster, because I'm not trained in the strange, this barrier that it's trying to break through over the planet, can I try to understand what that is exactly is it technological is it inherent in the planet what exactly is going on there yeah what kind of training do you have for your character i'm trained in all actions involved in seeing through tricks illusions and rhetorical ruse or lies i'm trained in identifying persuading healing running i'd say identifying you could roll so it would be a difficulty of four so since you're trained it would bring it down to a three so you just need a nine and I get an eight. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We're doing great, guys. It's on the tip of your I... tongue. You're seeing like, I know what this is. And right when you almost have it, Kai like bumps you in the shoulder. <laughs> and you're like, no, wait, what? So just so I understand, like using twists and things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it uses two intellect points. I have understanding. So I can observe a creature, an object, and your next interaction with that has a difficulty check reduced by one. Given that I already rolled, is this the type of thing that I have to do ahead of the roll? You've been looking at it for probably a few minutes now. I would say you'd have enough time that you were you could add this onto it. That's fine. Since we're we're learning this game, so if I have an edge of two, is that then reduced to zero for intellect? So what I was reading just now about edge as I can click here it says that when something requires you to spend points from a stat pool your edge for that stat reduces the cost so for example if it costs one point of for my intellect pool um, subtract your intellect edge from the activation cost and the result yeah what we talked about so edge reduces the cost to zero you can use the ability for free your edge for a stat reduces the cost but I don't see anywhere that it's used up never mind if you yeah if the edge reduces it then we can just roll with that. Why not? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So in... That's all good. So you have a two edge or... Yes. I put my extra edge that I got into intellect. Awesome. So that means that should bring that down to zero for me, which is awesome. Which is an auto, auto win. win. So the eight works. <laughs> Yeah, you're looking at this uh, this lattice work around this planet. You know, some planets have different planetary defenses. Sometimes they're technological, sometimes they're more magic-based. And you know the key signs of when something is more of a t- technological thing, because you'll see, like, probes or something, like something that links the lattice work together. Looking over this, you just constantly see these glowing lines, which leads you to believe this is some kind of magic, which means whatever it's blocking or whatever it's stopping is... It's very particular. It's like it's definitely aimed probably to blocking this creature. So 
theoretically, the ship should pass through this. Alright, so I will I will tell the group that. I will just say, like, well, look, 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 look. And then I, I pull uh, Kai, like, down a bit, and I point his GoPro. Like, I don't care about his face. <laughs> I just point his GoPro to the to the lattice work. I'm like, look, see? And like, I basically, for the camera, point. <laughs> and, and I'm like, so this... And then I basically explain what you explained, that it's magical, and that we should be okay. So, uh, they're... They're trying to keep this thing here? I think they tried to keep it off their planet. Yes, it looks very conflicted, doesn't it? Half pulling, half trying to enter. Maybe we can land inside and... and it, it's a habited planet, right? Maybe we can ask them what's going on. If they put this shield up, then they might have an idea. Let's get our feet on the ground. I wonder if they somehow caught the creature in the shield when they activated it, and that's why it's stuck. Very possible. Let's go save our lovely pilot from the grass dissertation. Uh, can you can you land <laughs> us, please? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm programmed to never feel sadness. <laughs> Nova's just gonna distract Mel by asking about, hey, how's that plant I got you doing? <laughs> Iris, have you uh, exited your room yet and kind of met up with everyone, got your stuff ready? Oh, yeah. Actually, as this was going on you guys probably heard a thud as she like went to stand up but stood up too fast and got like a foot tangled in the blankets <laughs> and actually probably the first one out is the cat because <laughs> she was just pretty much almost rolled over this cat's fur is just all on end it's like a giant spiky puffball <laughs> nice <laughs> oh totally <laughs> she's not happy either way you're all looking at this planet as the ship is getting closer and closer to lattice work. You don't even notice, but your hands are all kind of like gripping the seat, like especially around Steve. Your hands are gripping down like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> you uh, see, as it's just coming up to it, there's a little bit of resistance and Steve goes, oh, wow. And then you just see him push down for the thrusters and the ship just starts like speeding up and blasts through it. And it's a very rocky entry into the atmosphere because obviously you're not supposed to speed up for the atmosphere. You generally want to slow down. <laughs> and Steve is like trying to pull back. He still has his smiley face on as he's going. <laughs> the ship is rocking. You see like the odd little panel goes flying off the ship. He goes, oh, that's going to take me a while. <laughs> as it's going down, you start looking down into the landscape. You first pass through this blanket of clouds you see this giant glittering sea. This this water is reflecting up at you, reflecting the sun. It doesn't seem to be reflecting the creature at all, which is strange. When you look at the screens, there's a few cameras at the back of the ship, you don't see the creature from inside this planet. You definitely knew it was out there, but there doesn't seem to be any visual that this creature is there. The ship is just hurtling down towards what you can first see as like this little speck of land, and it starts expanding very quickly. This green dot quickly becomes this blob, quickly becomes this island, quickly becomes a very large island. As you see, just in the distance, there is a bird-like creature, and it's, it's far away. It's on the other side of the island. You see it swooping down, and then you see barreling through the clouds is this silver dragon that is just rushing towards the bird and they just seem to be fighting in the air they're just spinning around each other breaking off from one another you see a number of these towns and cities are popping up on this island this one that you have gained information we're told that this is evermeet you start coming up and the ship is just barely landing like it's just barely slowing down enough to have a landing it crashes through a few trees, it's bumpy, and slowly the ship comes and slides, skids on its side a little bit, then writes itself back up. You all jumble a little bit, and you look just like through the little cameras that show just everything that's going on on the outside of the ship, and it's just the, the wing of the ship is right over a little fruit stand that's there, and you see a town that appears to be empty. As this is all happening, Iris positions herself like perfectly so the cat slides into this big purse. Because <laughs> she's got the normal backpack and then she's got like a purse full of all sorts of 
tools in another campaign it was called the Mary Poppins bag <laughs> mm. <laughs> because if I may describe Iris real quick she is very very short long red hair and these big thick glasses so she's got flashlight pen knife magnifying glass uh who knows there may even be some <laughs> additions for her laptop that she's gotten there you honestly will never know until we need them oh yeah and on top of it all is this great big long black leather trench coat and that's what the cat sits on <laughs> so this cat isn't so much sitting as it's more clawed into yeah. uh, <laughs> your being as it wasn't stoked about that whole ride you are all looking. You see your communicators are blinking. There's two little single signals that are on it. One is showing basically the energy of the strange is at a critical level here. It's very dangerous if you take this this device off. It could be uh, you don't know if you'll be able to breathe or if the energies will affect you, if they'll mutate you. You don't know exactly what's going on. The brochure didn't go into scary details. and wanted to keep it late. Mm-hmm. And you notice another one is basically like that, like Wi-Fi is crossed out, and you see that you don't have a connection. You don't have any form of communication to any other planets. You can still communicate with one another, but it doesn't appear that there's any communication back home or anything. Nova very carefully like smooths out her like she's got dirty blonde hair that has like a bit of a bluish tinge to it. So she smooths it out and was trying. Her best to just not scream the entire way down. <laughs> and she's just like, well, that was interesting. You can say that again. Uh, good, good job, Steve. I guess. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> Who wants fruit? And he presses a button for the little landing to come out, and it just smashes the cart and fruit oh, goes no. everywhere. <laughs> Look, it's even cooked. <laughs> Steve. Oh, God. Uh, Look, Steve, you can't see the the big thing outside from in here. Must be gone. No, pretty sure oh, it's no, not. No. Do you have a way to track its location so if we need to exit out of here, we're not exiting out into this beast? Like just did you have the readings or can you can you get any readings onto like where it was in the atmosphere? Go out the way we came in. Hmm. The bird, if that's what it is, seems to be scrambling my readings, but I'm sure if we capture it, I can find where that big thing is. Or we could just hurdle ourselves towards it, and when we see it, we'll just turn left. <laughs> Let's do that. Nova has her face in her hands. I, yeah. <laughs> I just look at the group, and I'm like, alright, let's, let's go. Uh, Steve, just make sure the ship's operable and fruit free. You got it. I need to repair this thing. It is it is damaged. Yeah. Stay safe, Steve. I just walk away. <laughs> Mel leans down to Steve and just says, uh, actually, um, get a couple samples of the fruit while you're while you're at it, okay? Sure. And uh Steve, before we go, is is my uh is my camera gonna be working? Can you tell? Mm, looks good. Yeah, it's recording. <laughs> Careful right. you show that to you. You might break their mind. Thanks. <laughs> Remember your bracelets. And Steve awkwardly gets out of his chair. And this this robot, whoever designed it, wasn't really thinking a whole lot. They just needed to get a robot out. And they're like, I don't know, like here. And they handed off a design. And so he's awkwardly walking while he has a, a few tools that are coming out of his hands. And uh, you see he goes down. Uh, as he's walking off, he takes one of the fruits and just smashes it on his face. He's like, yum! <laughs> as he's walking out. <laughs> Sounds like Steve. There's so many Steves in this campaign. <laughs> yes. Disembark? Yes. Yeah. So we, yeah, we disembark. So stepping out of the ship, you look at this town and... It's really just a little village. Your ship is landed pretty much on the fruit cart. 
and you see there are these beautiful marble buildings. And it doesn't look like really any tools were used to construct these. It almost looks like it was naturally formed. Every building, there are some that have like a tree growing out of the center, some that have like trees melted into the side. There's vine work forming intricate patterns along the marble. And it just seems like this place has been perfectly put together like almost like a robot came in and constructed this place and said i have created a town and you see there's this iridescent walkway this iridescent stone that leads between these buildings leads a little further out you see there are every so often there's little bits of like little stalls and stuff like that that are set up it looks like maybe this was where travelers would come through and they would sell some goods and everyone make me i uh, perception check, difficulty of three. What could possibly go wrong? I got a five. Four. Two. Thirteen. Seventeen. You look around, and at first it's not very noticeable, because you're, you're very distracted by the architecture in this place. And then you see, every so often, there's a body just lying on the ground. It's dressed in very fine flowing robes, beautiful silk clothing, just people who are dressed very almost regally. And these people are all just laying on the ground. Some are like slumped on a table. It's not something that you would notice at first. Maybe like you look through a window and you see someone like slumped over on their table, their food knocked to the side. The fruit in the stalls, the, the food around here, nothing is rotted. So this hasn't been very long, but you're seeing a lot of bodies. Is this the strange? effect you can investigate a body and you can either do strange or medicine if somebody would like to i'll go for the medicine if somebody else goes for the strange <laughs> yeah i can nova can check out the strange because she's re she's probably one of the more well-read people she probably hasn't even scratched the surface but she first usually searched it while they are doing that were we briefed on everything about this creature that it uh like sucks up souls and stuff do our characters know that is that part of the brief there's suspicion uh, there's a lot of people who debated it whether they they simply displace the soul they absorb the soul there there's just a lot of scientists who are arguing back and forth but you have it's a general idea that's what the creature's doing to feed kai will bring that up to the group and then he will also mention something about the cult though he has next to no clue what that would entail. He's like, I mean, these people are kind of dressed weird. They're probably a cult. That's not a bad point. Can I go about my check in two parts? Sure, what would you like to do? One, I want to just ensure that there's no trick or something going on here. That this isn't like a, a, a faked scene or something like that. So I want to I am trained in all actions involving seeing through tricks and illusions and that I'm also trained in healing. So like if I I'm investigating first, making like cautiously, basically approaching, and then doing an equivalent like healing or medicine check to see what's up. So the illusion, I will say, will be a difficulty of three. I'm gonna use a different dice this time. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Nineteen. Woo. There you go. You go up to these bodies. You see droplets of blood are near their mouths, near their noses you see like it's a little bit on their clothes it doesn't appear to be an illusion everything seems very upfront. like this is pretty real these are dead bodies rolling in 19 gives me a minor effect right yes it's not just used for combat right like it could be used for any checks yeah okay can i kind of carry that over to help with your strange roll or i mean medicine roll yeah yeah, definitely. Because uh, you, you're looking over this and it, you kind of saw a few telltale okay. signs. So then another roll for medicine or healing? Yeah. 15. You're looking over these bodies. They, they're they definitely... They're corpses. These people are dead. You're not sure how they died. You're opening up the eyes. Some of them still have their eyes open. And everything seems like... It, everything's moving. Like, a, like, you know, they don't have rigor mortis or anything. So whatever happened... It's very recent. The food and everything seems warm. And you're looking at, at them. You kind of open up one of their mouths to try to see what's going on. And you see just at the back of their throat, it's forming like it's coming upward, is this dark purple 
it's like a viscous liquid that's coming up. It's not blood. It's something else that's coming out of them. Oh no, Mel, do you have? And it, it's moving. It's coming up. Yeah, it's like bubbling up, like slowly. It seems like it's coming out of their their throat and coming out of their mouth soon. I'm literally just gonna be like Mel or Nova, one of you. Uh, you, get, you can either take a sample of this or tell me what the heck this is, because this is not something I've seen. Ooh, I'll do it. All right. Iris comes running up because she wants to do this anyway. Just make a straight intellect check. Basically collect trace evidence like she was in forensic files. You, you don't have to roll for that. You, you could just easily collect some of this, this goo. All right. I take like a pair of tweezers out of my bag, reaching under the trench coat, under the cat, because she's mostly fur. <laughs> just take out like a little pair of tweezers and then like a little Ziploc bag. So you try to grab it with the tweezers and it seems very ineffective, right? Like this is like a, it's a thick liquid. So you're probably going to need some sort of like syringe or like dropper or something like that. Um, which I assume you probably have if you're, you're here to investigate. I do have an eyedropper. I'm not entirely comfortable with needles. Mel has just a whole uh, set of vials and dishes and stuff that she uses to collect stuff. So uh, she'll just kind of hand over a, a, a vial with a with a uh, syringe and just be like, uh, "Be be be my guest. I'm not getting your strange liquid." Thanks. That actually probably be a lot safer than a plastic baggie. <laughs> While they're kind of uh, handing stuff over, Kai gets pretty close to the body here and them talk about some kind of weird liquid and sticks his GoPro in, like, the body's mouth to get a good (laughs) shot of it and then gets out of the way so they can do their thing. I will purposefully lead him by the arm so that he's standing nicely in front of me. You're leaning in. uh, you're, You're getting this shot. And, like, it's... This goo is like it's starting to rise up a little bit faster, and quickly the the syringe is in there. You you retract some of the liquid from there, and you look like just a little bit of it's still on the needle, right? Because you like you shoved it in there, and you see that the the liquid itself is almost pulling off of the needle and splatting like back onto the being. You're watching ah. as like. This purple liquid is like, it's pouring out of their mouth and it starts coating their jaw and it starts like slowly going over their face and it it doesn't seem to be dropping onto the ground or anything like spilling out everywhere. It seems like it's very purposefully sticking, beginning to coat the corpse. Kai takes his greatsword and jams it through the body's neck. Oh my god, I was literally going to be like, Nova, Nova, have you run a check? Do you know what this is? (laughs) I take a giant step back. Yeah, I was just waiting for a chance to ask if, like, what would Nova, like, to see if she would know anything about, like, is this just a general strange thing? Is it, like, caused by a creature of the strange? Is it a creature? You can make a strange check as Kai is uh, performing impromptu surgery. Nova is completely useless. I rolled a three. <laughs> oh, no! You're trying to, like, okay, what's going on? And Kai, you just bring your sword down. The head easily disconnects from the body as it's rolling it. Now the hair moves out of the way. You can see this being has pointed ears. You know what elves are due to just the station. Like, there's a lot of different species that are on there. So you can tell that looking here and looking at other people, this must be a village full of them. And you watch as the goo kind of, like, comes out of the bottom of their neck. And it forms these hands that are melded together at the wrist, these two hands, and it begins to use them to just walk away with the head. <laughs> oh, shit. That's not supposed to happen with heads. Kai gets a really good shot of it. <laughs> Puts the syringe, like, upside down in the vial and has it to Mel, like, uh, you got the cap right here. <laughs> I don't want to mess with this stuff anymore. Just, like, start to freak out a little bit. Well, that's sweeter than some of the stuff that I've read. I've read a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, no, not sure I like that. That's not normal? I think that might have to do with the squid thing outside. Uh, Kai, does that normally happen where you're from? No, but I, I mean, I heard the strange was weird. I figured that was pretty normal there. Normally weird? I don't know. I've never been here. I'm asking the expert. He kind of like 
puts his hand out. <laughs> um, there's definitely a lot of weird stuff that happens uh, in the strange, but uh, heads walking around, that's a new one. Yeah. After seeing the addition of the walking, can I try to identify it? Yeah. So we'll say this is a difficulty of five. Don't matter. Uh, my... This dice box that I have, the Wormwood one, likes to mess with me. It does a nice natural 22. It's just a two. (laughs) (laughs) You're watching and you're seeing the goo sort of like form out of its mouth more and more. And it starts covering the whole head. Like it it completely covers the head. It it melds the hands so that the hands look like they're a natural part. Now this very deep purple goo has completely coated the head. The hair has been absorbed into it. And this mouth is starting to pry out of it. You see it has like a, a few sharp pieces of carapace that look like the teeth of it as uh, it's starting to make little chittering sounds. Is this happening to all the other corpses? Yeah, Nova's yeah. going to look around to see if that's happening to any of the other bodies. Mm-hmm. Yes, you see the same purple goo is starting to come out of a lot of the other corpses. How about we move quickly and leave? Uh, I was just about to say that. In the, in our training in general with, with the strange, has there ever been a time where there's something of the strange that is neutral or... Oh yeah, all the time. Okay, it's not... Just because this is clearly the strange, it doesn't mean that it's evil. Although it's creepy as heck. That's right. There's there's some that uh, are benevolent creatures. There's some that are horrifically violent and evil. There are some that are just neutral, uh, that are very, like, animalistic, very primal. These creatures, they're not... Well, at the moment, the little head hand thing isn't showing any hostility. It's just kind of clicking and trying to get its surroundings. It doesn't seem to have any eyes on it. It's just the mouth and the hands. Uh, yeah, let's let's get out of here before we find out what kind of creatures these are. Hold on. I want to try one more thing. I don't have to touch it, thank God. I want to try one of my special abilities, mind reading. Mind reading. Four intellect points. I can read the mind of a creature I can see within short range. I gain access to its surface thoughts for up to one minute as long as it is within range. Nice. That's cool. You can definitely do this. <laughs> I just need, since you're trying to basically break into this creature's mind, <laughs> I need you to roll an intellect-based attack. Okay. The difficulty will be just two, because this is just a little head with hands. All right. It's not It's not the head honcho of this group. <laughs> mm-hmm. 13. So you connect to the mind of this creature. You all watch as Iris is looking at this being. Her glasses, there's a glow behind them as she's holding out a hand. And you watch as almost this tendril of energy is heading towards the little head hand. The creature looks towards you, Iris, and it just stops. It stops clicking, it stops moving, it's frozen. And it's like standing on the tips of its fingers and looking right at you with no eyes. And in your head, you just hear this... And this song is just going through your head. And at first, the song's pleasant. It's, it's a song of how they, they really adore this town. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It slowly spins into anger about gods and taking away their identity and... Uh, their ability to choose their own fate. And then it starts talking about how they're going to destroy Nesme and have them all burn but rise up again. And this song is just looping as you're connected to this creature. Nesme is the town? You don't know what Nesme is. It just seems to be looping with uh, this song and this unknown town of Nesme and these whoever these beings are, they're angry at the gods for removing their ability to choose their own fate. And as I'm hearing this, I start to sing it just a little bit, but I also motion to somebody like, write this down, write this down, please. I don't want to stay in here much longer. Nova will kind of run over and start like writing it down as you do that. Now, I've already sang this song in another episode, but uh, you get the general gist of, of the lyrics of this is that's where it's driving towards is basically their hatred for the gods 
their love for the people of Nesbe, but they're going to kill the people of Nesbe to bring them back up as you're watching. And you're, you're quickly scribbling down the songs, these lyrics are being uttered by Iris. And you look as more of these corpses are covered in this goo. It's like starting to go over their hands, their legs. Time to go. Time to go. You all begin quickly grabbing everything of yours as you're you're trying to move away from this corpse and turn around and you hear this screech, this howling screech and turn and see there's at least 15 of these corpses that are all standing up. Some of them are on roofs, some of them are creeping up from behind a stall. Oh beautiful Nesmay, our shining Nesmay. Except our burning love, oh beautiful Nesmay, oh beautiful Nesmay, our shining Nesmay. The heat of a thousand suns comes to hug you, oh Nesmay. May you all burn and be brought back again, oh beautiful Nesmay. We've always loved you. Ooh, wasn't that just delightful? When I hear that song, it brings me back of the festival we had at Nesme. Oh, how joyous it truly was. Oh, beautiful Nesme, my shining Nesme. I blew up everyone in the town of Nesme. Oh, what a lovely, lovely time. But unfortunately, these people from the Nostradamus Corporation aren't finished on this island of the elves. No, no. There is so much more for them to experience. So be sure to stick around for the end here for... We have a number of amazing promos for these shows that you absolutely must go listen to and be sure to leave them one of those iTunes reviews. And if you've enjoyed our tales here, travelers, make sure you hop on over to the iTunes for us as well because it feeds the shining god and has them shine brighter and brighter and brighter and that just makes us pleased as punch and if you want to find other ways of supporting Ballad of the Seven Dice hop on over to our website balladofthesevendice.com where we have a number of different things you could check out such as our Patreon, where we have additional audio content on there, one-shots, character journals, you name it, as well as we have a store with Battle of the Seven Dice merchandise, so be sure to give that a look as well. Alright then, travelers, I need to clean up this intern off the floor, so let me turn you over to those promos. Initializing Waffles Maple Syrup promotion. Please enjoy. Welcome to Waffle Maple Syrup's brand new Starfinder podcast, Journeys Adrift. Grab your space popcorn and join us for the wild journeys of these five characters. Starting us off is the prospective Madeline herself, Zehavum T. Don't tell anyone, but she's on a journey for some classified Starfinder intel. What? Who told you that? I'm absolutely doing no such thing. Don't worry, this is all behind the fourth wall. It doesn't count. Next up is Dr. Lin on a journey to clear his name. And for the last time, there are four tentacles in regular pants, of which there are simply four pant holes. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, that is correct. Hello? Hmm, that's not awkward. Let's see. Next on the roster, we have Tetsu, who is on a wholesome journey to happiness. Best of luck with that, buddy. What do you mean, best of luck? That sounded sarcastic. Was that sarcastic? Don't worry about it. Let's move along to our little friend here, Moat. Moat is on a research journey for drift technology. Who knows what secrets they'll find out there. Oh, oh, uh, right. You can't see me. Uh, believe me, my visor is displaying a smile. Like, I can't. Sorry, bud. This is an audio-only format. Anyways, last but not least is the lightning rock himself, Aizen. He is on a journey yeah, for- Yeah, let me cut you off right there. I've got to find a cure for the circumstances happening to my body, or else I'm going to end up in pieces in the process. Oh, well that sounds fun. But between you and me, listeners, 
There's a lot more journeys than these five happening behind the scenes. So join us and listen to Journeys Adrift on the Waffles Maple Syrup podcast and live stream to find out where these journeys lead. Our story starts, as all good stories do, with an ordinary day and a job offer. We find Farida Hala, the indie singer who's been trying for years to make a name for herself to little effect in a universe where most humans look down on the Prometheans. A few years ago, she commissioned a piece from Vilina Sorel, the Eldori jewelry maker who's more than she seems. There's also the strange-looking ashen-forged warrior that the government tries to keep tucked away so the people don't start asking too many questions. The day they got their summons was the day their lives were set on a path that would forever change the way they see the Federation, the universe, and themselves. I can make no promises as to what we'll see here. I don't have a full picture, and I'm very tired of being kept in the dark about this. Yeah, but you at least know that you've been in the dark. My eyes adjusted. I think that we yeah. should go. Yeah, we're kind of sitting ducks out here either way. Join us aboard the Opal Star as we travel near and far, trying to unravel the many mysteries of the universe while getting into all kinds of trouble. Aboard the Opal Star is a proud member of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network changing reality one story at a time.